I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and this week we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, recently I got back from Japan. I spent about a week there uh, traveling with a couple of my high school buds, and I thought it would be fun if I talked about it on the podcast. It will be just me uh, talking with my friends at certain points in the trip and describing things uh, not video game related. I do hope you stick around for this, but I do appreciate if you want to come back next time for when we uh, get into things a little bit more video game related. So. So this week will be a travelogue, where I'll just kind of go through chronologically and talk about the different things I did, interspersed with a few conversations I had with my friends along the way. Then next week, I'll go a little deeper, talking about like the video games I played on the trip. I did have two 12-hour flights, so I did get some video gaming in, and then like the games and experiences video game related that I had in Japan, and also just some uh, tips that I have for traveling to Japan. And if anyone has any questions, uh, they can tweet them at me, or email me at so many bits podcast at gmail.com and I'll be happy to answer them to the best of my ability. But let's uh, get right into things here. I, I left out of Chicago O'Hare Airport taking a direct flight for, to Haneda Airport in Tokyo. I, Before this trip started, I did not realize there were direct flights from the middle of America to Japan. Uh, so that's where the 12 hours on a plane comes in. I uh, was leaving Saturday afternoon around 5 p.m. and arriving in Tokyo around 8 p.m. Oh, in theory, we could be lucky and not have a person next to us, but I kind of doubt it. Yeah, I mean, given how full the plane is right now, you would think that the odds are drastically going up with every passing person. Like, percentage points are climbing every time. Although they didn't do boarding rooms, so there's no, like, we got on pretty early despite the fact that we were the back and plane here. That's right, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting as long as I can to put this bag under my seat, trying to figure out, like, the correct... Oh, I'm just going to be yanking this thing out during the flight. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, but it's got to be perfect. You have to have the perfect array of stuff sitting in your lap okay. to, to anticipate any possible need. Like, Good luck with that. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> that, that's for I think my pillow. Oh, free headphones, nice. No, they use the real jack here. Oh, okay, so that, that's this port here. Yeah, but like usually they wouldn't use a standard jack because you know they, they don't want to take it. On I don't know what this port here is though. I mean, obviously I see the okay, USB port S-cable. here. I don't know why they have an S cable on these planes. Right. Who knows? I mean, I, I can't really describe how a flight that long and how monotonous it could be, especially because I was in a window seat, so I, I felt like I kind of had to stay there. I felt I couldn't just, like, get up at my convenience. So I spent a lot of that time playing games, uh, talking with my friend Ben, who was on the flight with me, thankfully, and trying and failing to get any sleep. I got maybe maybe 20 minutes in there. There's not really any room to recline your chair, of course, and I business class or in, a, in an economy class seat that is and uh we arrived the next day of course in japan 
and just as we were getting in, it had started to rain. Now, before we left, we had been aware that a typhoon was heading to Japan right as we were arriving, more or less. And, you know, it, it was uh, very tragic for some people in Japan, so I don't want to make too much light of this. I am aware that there was uh, property destruction, people left homeless about, and even, I, I think, a few fatalities, unfortunately. Uh, with that said, uh, we managed to arrive like an hour before the, all of the trains in the Tokyo area were set to shut down for the pending arrival of the typhoon. We got on the monorail that took us to the train line, which took us to Ochano Mizu, which is where we were staying. That's uh, just a little bit outside of Akihabara. I met up our third friend, Chris, there and got to our hotel with no incident, sat down, uh, confirmed that my uh, ATM card worked in the international ATM machines in a uh, family mart, and basically just hit the hay right after that. But a couple hours later, I could hear the wind howling outside and the rain whipping against our hotel room window. I had been the only one who didn't pack any earplugs, so you know I kind of had to just deal with that. We all woke up though around like 6:30 a.m. Japan time. We just you know with the jet lag and with our I think just natural excitement to be in Japan. We couldn't really sleep that much longer. So after just uh, tooling around the hotel room, we go out. And, like, we're out so early that, like, none of the shops really have opened up. And, like, uh, in the Akihabara area, all the stores open up, like, around 11 a.m. or later. And we were out there at, like, 9, even after dawdling a bit. So we stopped. We got some breakfast had our first encounter with the ordering system at a Japanese restaurant where most of the time you aren't speaking directly with a chef or with the waitstaff. You are inputting uh, a dish request on a machine and then paying money into that machine. So we were pretty lost. Most of it was just in Japanese. There were a few photos for some of the items and that's where I went to. I went to one of the items that had a photo associated with it, but uh, we got fed and then we continued walking around and Pretty much for the next two days, once the shops opened, we shopped. We That was one of the big pulls for me, to be honest. I, I mean, I appreciate traveling. I appreciate the uh, various cultural and natural beauties around Japan. But I did want to shop in Akihabara. That was a, a big deal for me. And we certainly did it. We hit pretty much every shop that we could think of, uh, right from the big department stores down to the ones that were like a basement and like crammed wall to wall with stuff. There was gonna be the day where we got caught up on sleep and uh, that didn't end up happening. Uh, went to bed around 11.30 and woke up around 6.30. All of us woke up and then Two of us got back to bed. I looked at my phone for a couple hours, and then I got up. Uh, now we're getting ready to go out. We have to go get our JR passes from the train station. They sell you a voucher in the United States, and then you have to go and take the voucher to the office in Japan. Or you can do it from the airport, but when we got in, the office was already closed at the airport. Before we go, though, I... Uh, got some new stuff to try. I have the competing brand of Gundam sponsored coffee or you said they're Chris you said they were the same company just different blends. Something like that. 
something like that. Yeah, it's a. This is the Emerald Mountain blend I'm trying now. It's got Char in his Zigok custom on the side here, as opposed to the Amaro and Sela one from yesterday. I think this one's a little different. <laughs> They're not very different. This is like slightly less sweet, I think, a darker roast. Also got an onigiri here, salmon flavored, so. It definitely tastes like rice. Cold rice. And there's a little bit of, I got a little bit of the salmon in there. All right, uh, we're getting ready to head out. Going to go to the train office. Then we've got early lunch. And then not exactly an escape room, but basically an escape room. So I'll report back later. In the middle there, we did do a couple other things. We stopped over in the next neighborhood, Ueno, to pick up our JR passes, which would allow us to... Uh, ride the Shinkansen or the like the long distance train between cities and we also went to Tokyo Mystery Circus and they are uh, a place that puts on not exactly escape rooms but like group puzzle situations uh, they did one here in Chicago actually for The Legend of Zelda that was I think a couple of years ago now but uh, they've brought a couple of they brought a couple other ones over to America. They brought like a Final Fantasy XIV one over, I think. The one we were doing, though, was Lupin III, and it was a uh, infiltration mission. So we had to be stealthy and move around in this uh, space and solve a bunch of clues and eventually steal an object to be taken out. Because, you know, if you're not familiar, Lupin III is like this famous thief. So we were assisting him on his mission. And they had like actual people working as security guards. I'm making air quotes here, security guards. And if they saw you, they would say like, halt! And then they would uh, shoot you, again in air quotes, and you would take hit point damage. And if you took too much, you would get time penalized and you only had a certain amount of time to finish the whole thing. And eventually we actually, uh, we failed. They they have a kind of, uh, they, 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 we'll call it clever, uh, pricing mechanism where it's basically like 25 bucks a person but if you fail the mission you can spend an additional like 10 bucks for each person to extend your timer for 10 minutes so we did do that once but then after that we're like well we're we don't know how much further we have to go and we've already messed up a couple times so let's just abort here after that and after a little bit more shopping back in Akihabara we headed over to an omakase restaurant I, I've forgotten what neighborhood that was in, but the, the appeal here is that you are going to sit down with a sushi chef and that person is just going to basically make you dishes that you will eat. You are not ordering off a menu. You are just going to accept what they give you for better or for worse. Now you, you can, if you have like an allergic situation or a, like a preference that you do not want to eat a certain type of fish, you can say, please don't give that to me. But otherwise, you're basically locked in to eat whatever they give you. And to do this, we had to have a Japanese speaker on hand. Uh, so of the three of us, Ben, Chris, and I, none of us speak Japanese. But luckily, uh, Chris's 
girlfriend's sister is a Japanese native who lives in the city. So she joined us and was very, very helpful in being uh, the go-between for our conversation and for our meal. And the whole thing was delightful. I, I've you know, had sushi here in America and I'm typically pretty conservative. Like I'll have the Philadelphia rolls or the California rolls. And then like, I'll stick with like, if I'm doing like nigiri, I'll have smoked salmon. So this was a bit outside my comfort zone, but I did enjoy trying all the different fish, except for the sea urchin. The sea urchin was kind of gross. Uh, at the end of the meal, we uh, were asked by the chef why we were in Japan. And I mentioned one of the things we were going to do is see a New Japan wrestling show in Osaka later on on the trip. And that ended up being an unexpected delight because the, the chef didn't just know about wrestling. He was like a, a member of the New Japan wrestling fan club. So we had this conversation about like the, the favorite wrestlers they have over on their side. They have, uh, they're big fans of Naito, Tetsuya Naito. He's one of the big stars of that promotion. And I, I'm not going to forget like that part of the trip anytime soon. I'm not going to narrate. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just uh, this is the bento box. Just feel free to open up. Because I can set up what happens later. We're just talking about in-the-moment feelings. Oh, I in-the-moment feel like I don't want to eat whatever that is. It uh, looks like some kind of cabbage. Are you sure? It looks like cabbage to me. So I've got two chopsticks, not two fish. That's what I've been given to eat this. You don't want anything? Y'all. I'll take a toothpick. There you go. Poke some chicken. Yeah, it looks like, like this is normal fried and sweet fried. Sweet fried, and then we got some rice over here. Yeah. All right. Uh, giddy up. Huh. There we go. Karage. That is what it is. Yep, it's cold fried chicken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know how you toothpick rice, but... The animation on my thunderstorms on my phone is pretty great. It's like actually rendering thunder and lightning. Mm, anywhere from now until 8 o'clock. And was... But like, uh, when does the percent chance of precipitation dip below 30%, let's say? 9 p.m. Cool. Worse than me. Awesome. Every hour from 1 to 8, it says there is at least a 40% chance of a th mm. thunderstorm. Okay. So between 40 and 70%. It was pretty harrowing just getting even to this hotel, and it was like right next to the train station. Harrowing might be a strong word, but it was certainly pouring on us a lot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank you for sharing the bento. The next day, we headed out on the Shinkansen to Kyoto. So Tokyo to Kyoto is about a three-hour trip by train. We had to, you know, check out of our hotel, packed up all our stuff, and get it there. And that was, you know, stressful. Uh, one of the things that was recurring throughout the trip was, like, lots of trains, lots of carrying luggage on trains. And, you know, it was a, it was a bit of a challenge. Uh, the train stations there are large and crowded and busy. And it just was a thing we had to be mindful of anytime we wanted to go anywhere. 
But we got to Kyoto without too much stress and uh, dropped all our stuff off. And oh boy, was it humid. Like the, the last two days in uh, Tokyo had been pretty hot. And Wednesday in Kyoto, it was both hot and incredibly humid, like 90 to 100 degrees and just felt like you were walking through the sea, basically. But that was one of the days we had also picked to go and do some outdoor stuff. So, you know, we, hey, we only get one shot at this, so we're going uh, to give it a try, right? So after dropping off our bags, we can't quite check into the hotel yet. Uh, we head over to take part in a tea ceremony. But on the way, we found a little shrine uh, just kind of nestled on some street in Kyoto. We stopped in there, and that, and that was uh, pretty fun to enjoy this historical monument. And then we saw another part of Japanese heritage with the tea ceremony where she took us through the process for creating matcha tea and also like the rituals and what they all mean symbolically. And that was really fascinating. I, I was really, really glad, glad to experience that. And like, it was interesting too, because we weren't the only people there, my, my friends and I, it was other groups. It was like a group of 10 or so. And we were all visiting from different countries. There was like a couple from Germany, a group from London, another person from France. And I, I thought that was really neat to have this kind of uh, intercontinental connection with all these people that we shared. The only snag that popped up is that I could not adopt the correct sitting position for the tea ceremony. You're supposed to sit with your legs folded underneath you with your butt on top of your, your feet. And the second I tried to do that, my feet cramped up and I basically tipped over like a old oak. I had to either then just sit cross-legged or adopt this ridiculous stooped over position where I was like half kneeling, half sitting. After that, we headed right over to a very specific sweet shop that had been recommended to us. And uh, I was able to try Boncanto, which I, I've, I've Googled this and I'm sorry, Boncanto maybe isn't the right name for it. That's the name I saw on the menu. It doesn't show up the thing I'm looking for though. And it was probably my favorite thing I ate on the trip. It was a like a jellied grapefruit dish that was served like in the rind of the grapefruit. And it was sweet and not too sweet and had the, the strong grapefruit flavor. I wish I could have it again. I may never have it again for the rest of my life, uh, but I'll cherish that moment. Also uh, picked up a couple sweets to take back with me. And then after that, we were on to Arashiyama a district in Kyoto home to an amazing bamboo forest. It was still ridiculously hot and humid, but it was so lovely around us. Like I, I have some pictures and you can see the trees shooting over our heads all around you 20 feet above your head on all sides except for the pathway. There was another small shrine in there and we visited that. Uh, I have seen an anime that you can sometimes like ring uh, like a bell there or like pray at the shrines. It didn't feel like it was my place to do that. Like maybe someone would have invited me into that if I asked, but I didn't want to intrude on a ritual that I didn't fully understand. Which of you preferred right now, Kyoto or Tokyo? Uh, there's I more. I prefer Tokyo a little, like but like they're, they're different enough that I'm not sure it's a fair comparison. I think 
it's totally not a fair comparison. If I was to spend more time here, I could see myself spending a week enjoying Kyoto. I could really? Yeah, I could see myself living in Tokyo for a year. Fair enough. Yeah, like, I mean, Tokyo, I think, is just more fun because it's more densely packed and there's more variety, but, like, a lot of since it's so different out here, like, I'm not sure it's a fair comparison. Yeah, I mean, if you like cities, I think, if you like big cities, you're going to like Tokyo. Yeah, so far, everything we've done is very, uh, like, cultural? That's, yeah, that's the theme. Very cultural. Do in Kyoto. But we haven't done a temple yet. I mean, unless you count well, we did that, that the tiny, yeah, the tiny shrine within the forest, but not like a big Proper ass temper, Buddhist yeah. temple that borders on castle. Fair enough. That's maybe tomorrow morning, I hope. Okay. Wait, we're doing that before Osaka or we're doing it in Osaka? Before Osaka. Okay. I want to go to that one that I showed you a picture of before, the one with the big terrace with the view. What was the other place that we found on the way to the tea ceremony? Some garden that used to be it some was, noble's home. It, well, no, monk's home. Okay. There was a monk, he was granted land by the, by the shogunate, and then I guess it was just con uh, made, was a mansion for the rest of the time. <laughs> it's not clear who owned it after the monk died. I don't think dumb. it was his descendant, is what I'm saying. At some point it became public property. Yeah. So I just observed that a little bit, and then we, we headed back to town. That night we ate at uh, Coco Ichibanya, which is, you know, <laughs> if we're being generous, it's like the Chipotle. It's, it's like a fast food spot for getting katsu curry, which is basically just fried chicken, rice, and curry sauce. And that is something that I was really hoping to try, and it didn't disappoint. I thought it was a nice touch that they offered both uh, spice settings and sweet settings on your food. So you could order spicy between 1 and 10 and sweet between 1 and 10. We wrapped up our day by touring the historic Gojo district of Kyoto, walking through back alleys and checking out, you guessed it, another shrine. Wednesday was our high score for steps taken on the trip, totaling over 26,000. Incidentally, at this point in the trip, the heat had been so bad that I had gone through most of these shirts and shorts that I brought along. So I had to so I had to go use the laundry room at like midnight. I had, that was the first time I was able to get in there and I had to go back at like 2 a.m. to pull my stuff out. It was, uh, it was rough, but I, I'm glad I did it when I did because then Ben and Chris had to do it the next night. And I think they ended up getting very little sleep while managing that. Thursday, we had one more destination in Kyoto, Kiyomisu Temple. I ordered the traditional Japanese breakfast of yakitori, which is uh, not traditional. It was a uh, skewered chicken served on a grill, served from a grill. And then we ascended up among a bunch of high school classes touring the area. On the way back down, we got some matcha ice cream and I picked up some strawberry cheesecake Kit Kats. And soon enough, we were on our way back to our hotel to get ready to travel to Osaka. At this point, I took a quick stop into the Don Quixote across the street from our hotel, which is, eh, you, you would say it's probably a, like a nicer Walgreens. And they are floor to ceiling stocked with all different types of items, food, clothing, uh, electronics, toys, basically almost anything you could think of. They even have a really cute uh, store theme that they play around the store. Ooh, ah, 
for lunch, we did one thing that I had also been really hoping to do on the trip, which is try Japanese McDonald's. You you might notice here that all the things I want to do are very lowbrow, and the other stuff, that was suggested by my friends. So I'm really glad the three of us were there to balance out all the all the kind of boring things I wanted to do with like actual things of cultural and historical significance. So we did get the uh, McDonald's, though, and I had the teriyaki chicken, which was, you know, a McDonald's chicken sandwich with teriyaki sauce on it. Took a relatively short Shinkansen train over to Osaka. It was only about a half an hour and went directly to Osaka Castle, which is like imagine if in the middle of your city there was a park and in the middle of that park there was a giant castle and that's Osaka Castle. You can, it it towers over everything around it because it's like eight stories tall. You can see it from like any direction. You have to either take a small uh, like train, not like a not like a train train, but like a, a tour train through the park, which takes about 10 minutes, or you can walk like one and a half miles to get to the castle itself. We got in there and got to ascend to the top floor and get a gorgeous view of the city of Osaka. Next, we headed over to Dottenbury, a shopping district in the heart of downtown Osaka. We stopped by the Glico Running Man sign, which is this kind of famous advertising board similar to like the Coca-Cola sign in Times Square and got a couple pictures there, then headed just to see what we could find. We stopped in a couple of sweet stores, a couple more uh, game stores, and even got some uh, takoyaki, which is uh, octopus and batter inside a fried ball. And again, was able to make a connection with one of the uh, restaurant employees there. Uh, we got our takoyaki and chuhi. And while I was waiting to pick those up, we talked a little bit about our favorite wrestlers because they had like a, a photo on one of the walls showing the Japanese wrestlers pre All Japan, New Japan split. And I found out that the bartender's favorite wrestler was Tajiri. After feeding and getting out of the shopping district, we headed over to Ideon Osaka Gymnasium, where we took in the New Japan Pro Wrestling show happening that night. I've seen 
some live wrestling before, but usually at like big arenas. Like uh, when I lived in Buffalo, I went to uh, first, I don't even know what they call it anymore, but I went to the hockey arena. And a couple times in Chicago, I've gone out to uh, Allstate Arena in Rosemont to see shows there. This was not like that. This was in a literal gymnasium with like basketball hoops and everything. The, the room maybe would have fit 500 people maximum. And they were doing a full-blown wrestling show in there with premier talent. Like These are a lot of the most famous guys in the New Japan promotion. Uh, like Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and then the big star of the night was Tetsuya Naito, who is from Osaka. So everyone loved him. They were agog, and he didn't even have to do anything for the crowd to get behind him. That's how uh, passionate everyone was to see him win. I think my favorite wrestler that I saw on the night was Will Ospreay, who is a British-born wrestler who does a lot of high-flying moves. And he, you know, a lot of wrestlers, uh, I don't I don't blame them, but I think they maybe kept it in first gear because it's a smaller show and they don't want to hurt themselves. But Will, he busted out some really impressive stuff. At one point, he did a run across the ring into a handspring, into a dive out of the ring onto two people on the outside. So that was a guy who was really giving it all, his all right there. It says something to you. We tell each other smile, but not to the fun for you ends in Kobe. But what starts for you is your destino. Because your destino is my destino. You start my destino. My destino is to be the first jewel IWGP Intercontinental and Heavyweight Champion. In the morning, we made our way back to Tokyo. Uh, we were staying in Ochanomizu initially, and now we were staying in Shinjuku. Uh, we left our bags once again and headed out for a very well-known ramen restaurant in the nearby area. This was another operation where you know you put in your money, you ordered on a machine, and then the chefs would serve you what you ordered without like a waitstaff interaction. Coming into this, I'm not the biggest fan of ramen, so. I didn't mind going to the restaurant. I was just going to order something else. So I saw uh, I saw Donbari on the menu, which uh, I'd had before in Chicago. It's just like pork on top of rice. So I ordered that. And then as we were waiting for our meal, the uh, one of the restaurant employees came over and explained that because that was a side dish, I would actually have to order ramen in addition to stay in. And I'm I'm not mad at the restaurant. I understand why they do that because... This restaurant seated like six people. 
and there was a line of like 20 people out the door. So I, when, when they explained it like that, it made sense to me why they had that policy in place. <laughs> but I ended up just, but I gave the, the Don Bari ticket to my friend Chris and then I left. I just, I didn't really want to eat the ramen. So maybe at some point in the future, I will post on my Bumble profile on that two truths and a lie section that I walked out of a one-star Michelin restaurant because I didn't like the food. After getting some replacement food and meeting up with my friends again, we headed over to the Ghibli Museum, which is a bit out of the way. It's a bit like on the west side of Tokyo, kind of away from everything else we wanted to do. And I would have to recommend that unless you are a diehard Ghibli fan, that you skip this. Not because it wasn't lovely. It was a very beautiful building, and there's very interesting exhibits about animation inside, and they even show you a short Ghibli film that you can't see anywhere else in the world, allegedly. The issue is, this is not a very English-friendly location, and I just mean that there's very little English language posted anywhere. Like, you can get a map, and that has English on it to say what the destinations are, on the various rooms and the various floors, but the exhibits themselves don't have any English on them. They're all pretty much written in Japanese, and that just made the uh, experience limited for us. Like, even the, the film, I mean, naturally they're going to cater to a Japanese audience, so there are not English subtitles on the film, which meant that I kind of got the gist of what was happening, but didn't really follow it all the way through. So, uh, yeah, I, I have a passing interest in Ghibli. I've seen one of their films before, and I think I would like to see more in the future. But if that's how you feel, if you're like me, then I would say you probably are better off trying to do something else. There's so many other things you could do in Tokyo that you could probably pass on this one. After getting back to the heart of Tokyo, we got ready for our second big dinner plan of the trip, which was Kaiseki. Another meal where the chefs were going to do all the preparation, we were not going to order off any menu. And this one, I liked both the omakase and the kaiseki, but this one I enjoyed way more because I just, I found a lot of the food pretty recognizable and pretty enjoyable. There was a really nice, I think my favorite dish they served was a small plate of duck, and on top of it was mushroom tempura. So with these dishes, they're all pretty small. They're not meant to be full meals on their own. It's kind of like you get six pieces of a sixth of a meal each, and you're supposed to eat them all. After that meal, I think that was the first time the week really caught up to us. Like, all three of us had just had this big filling meal. We each had a couple drinks, and we'd been walking like 25,000 steps a day. And we, got, we headed immediately back to our hotel and fell asleep at like, 10.30 at that night, then slept in to like 9 a.m. the next day. We were just that out of it. So Saturday was our last full day in Japan, and we had kind of left it unstructured. We, at that point, had gone through all of our appointments, all of our uh, specific restaurants to try, and now it was a little looser. We ended up going over to Sengakuji Temple, uh, which is the site of a famous uh, folklore story for Japanese history where 47 samurai took revenge on a government official who had been at the heart of a scandal with their now deceased leader. 
We saw the sites there, including the receipt that the government officials' family had used to claim the government officials' uh, decapitated head. Then I headed over to Ueno and Ueno National Park, which is a, a massive, sprawling park with several museums in it. So we took in the sites, we did a little bit of people watching, and then we headed over to Tokyo National Museum and saw, of all things, a Romance of the Three Kingdoms history uh, tour. Now, Ben and Chris, their knowledge primarily stemmed from the video game Dynasty Warriors and or from other various video games, and my knowledge stemmed from Portal Three Kingdoms, a Magic the Gathering set. So it was good to have like actual historical context to some of the events and people we had heard about up until then. I think now that the trip is winding down, we can do an objective, rational ranking of the temples we visited. Well, we only we visited. You said we visited two temples. There was a so there was Sengakuji. What was the name of the other one? Clear water. Yeah, Kyumizu. Kyumizu, and that one we stumbled into. Um, there was a shrine in the middle. I mean, that was some dude's mansion because we had a shrine. No, no, the one at night we went to. Oh, yeah, I guess so. a temple or a shrine. That was the worst one. I already forgot what the name of the Clearwater one was in Japanese. Kiyomizu. Kiyomizu and Sengakuji. Um, hmm. In Ueno Park, one of those was definitely a shrine, right? Well, we didn't actually go to the shrine proper. That was We, we had to go up the hill a little more to find the uh, Buddha. Okay. We didn't. Uh, one of like, the surrounding buildings. So the number of shrines we saw is a little indeterminate. Yeah. So let's keep it to temples. Uh, you know, let's, we got to be objective here. And like temples and shrines, we're going to say, are different things. And, you know, we're going to rate them on the natural beauty and spiritual value and cultural value. So uh, I'm going to say I preferred uh, Kiyomisu. Well, see, I'm, wait, Kiyomisu. Kiyomisu. That was um, the one with the terrace, Ben. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna, anyway, I was going to say I liked Sengakuji because it had the receipt for the dude's head. Yeah, there was. So at Sengakuji... Uh, ben can cut in at any point if he wants to, but there is a story of 47 samurai and them uh, taking revenge for their master's death on this government official by beheading him. And after he, this man was beheaded, uh, his family came to the temple we visited to collect it, and they had to leave behind a receipt that says, like, yes, we have come and picked up this guy's head. Oh, okay, I got it right in one. Yeah, yeah. All right, I mean, nice. some subtlety in the story, but that, that's, mm, that's, that's how I understood enough. it. When no, no, you got it, that, it. For the, yes, for the length of summary you gave, that is the correct story. Okay, so officially, uh, the best temple in Japan is uh, Kiyomisu. Nope, Kiyomisu. Kiyomisu? Well, it's pronounced Kiyomisu, and Ben disagrees with you. Yeah, no, it's exactly. You just established they had the receipt for the guy's head. I'm, you know, I couldn't hold in the mic here, so I, I, I could say Kiyomisu is the greatest temple in all of Japan. You should go there. It's in uh, Kyoto. But if you're in Tokyo, we'll say the greatest temple in Tokyo is Sengakuji. Because we've seen one in each city. Well, I'm saying up the...
We wrapped up Saturday by doing a little more shopping in Akihabara where I ended up stopping in a store called Trader and spotting the collector's edition for Phoenix Wright Spirit of Justice. Now, Phoenix Wright Spirit of Justice doesn't have a U.S. physical release and definitely didn't get a collector's edition in the U.S. So I was really excited to get this game, but the problem is the shape of the box it came in wasn't going to fit in any of my luggage. I just didn't have a spot for it. So I was like, well, maybe I could have my friend Ben take it with me because he, I knew, was going to have a spot in his uh, carry-on bag. So I ended up kind of damning the torpedoes and selfishly getting the game anyway. The cashier was kind enough to point out that it was a Japanese game only. That is, it only works on Japanese 3DS systems, but I didn't care. I I just wanted the uh, collector's items that came with the game. I met back up with my friends. We did a little bit more walking around, and then it was Sunday. We took care of a little bit of shopping. I picked up some souvenir Kit Kats to bring to my coworkers at work. Uh, we stopped at the Square Enix headquarters, which I swear entirely coincidentally was like a tenth of a mile from where we were staying in Shinjuku. And then we had to get to the airport. Now, I thought I had budgeted a pretty good amount of time to get to Narita Airport. I was going to leave at 2 p.m., and my flight wasn't until 5.10 p.m. However, Narita Airport is 90 minutes away from the heart of Tokyo. So even though we got on an express line train, it was about 4.20 as I was checking my bags in to go on the plane. And at this point, I'm pretty stressed. I'm pretty worried that I'm going to miss my flight. And as they're checking my bag, there is one employee at the machine, and then a second, and then a third, and then a fourth. And finally, the fifth employee says, would you please come with me? I am beside myself. I didn't get angry. I, 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 I swear, I was just like more mortified and disheartened than anything else. So I just kind of glumly followed the employee as we walked across the airport. He had my rolly suitcase that I was trying to check. And we go to this set of steel double doors for an oversized x-ray. And he x-rays it, my bag, and then he puts a sticker on it. And they usher it off somewhere. And then we're walking back across the airport for maybe a minute or two. And we stop. And we stop in front of like what it was a like a, a gold tier... Uh, security checkpoint or something like that and it dawned on me they weren't doing like an extensive check they weren't pulling me aside they were fast tracking me through the airport they were letting me go through here and then this streamlined security checkpoint then the man met me at the end of the security checkpoint and ushered me straight to customs to this one line so i could go straight through and all the way to my gate and i was just overwhelmed with how thoughtful and kind the staff there had been because certainly the person who first checked my bag looked at the time and was like this guy's not going to make it he's just not going to make it and so once they started pulling everyone in they're like okay how are we going to do this and i'm sure that kind of kindness exists in other places in other businesses but that is kind of the courtesy that I received from most people 
if not almost everyone in Japan. It was just, uh, I, I, as an American, you know, I speak English. I speak a small amount of Spanish and I spoke three phrases of Japanese. But nevertheless, I was treated very kindly by everyone I met. Everyone tried to communicate with me either in broken Japanese or in broken English. Everyone, when we were lost, people would come over and talk to us and make sure we were okay. Uh, obviously, this this airport story, I mean, it's I've never received customer service like that from anywhere in the United States. So yeah, that's pretty much the uh, end of the trip. I <laughs> spent another 12 hours on an airplane. When I got into O'Hare, I had to wait a little while to catch up with my friend Ben, who was also... Uh, transferring to a different flight so he could give me my game. And then I was on a bus home. And I just, uh, as soon as I got home, pretty much, I opened up the Google Doc we had been using to uh, plan our trip, and I just made some notes because I want to go back. That's how much I enjoyed myself. I'm already planning my next trip, and it might not be for another year and a half, two years. But I really dearly loved my time in Japan, that was my favorite trip I've ever taken, and I think part of it was because of the company I kept. I mean, I was really, really lucky to go with two close friends, uh, Ben and Chris, who I've known since I was like eight years old, and that was a blast sharing it with them. And I just, uh, I hope that we can share that again, too, uh, even if it is a couple years from now, because there's more I want to see. So uh, I think that is going to wrap up this episode of so many bits. Um, just again, uh, this has been kind of like the travelogue show. And next week I'll be talking about like the games I played, some tips about game shopping I have for Japan and just tips about traveling in Japan in general. And then I'll do my best to answer any questions people have. I've gotten a couple questions from people like offline already. So I'm going to answer those. But if you do have other questions, I'll list the ways you can contact me right now. So I can be reached by email at somebodybitspodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. We're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at somebodybits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from Simplecast, from SoundCloud, from YouTube, or stream on Spotify. We play games, twitch.tv slash so many bits, Wednesday and Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time. Wednesdays for Magic the Gathering Online or MTG Arena Thursdays for a variety of different games. Recently, I was trying out the Sega Genesis Mini. I was trying out Control. I was trying out uh, Pinball Arcade. A bunch of different games from a bunch of different genres. Also, please check out Nerdalogs.com. So many bits is on there, plus a number of other great nerdy podcasts. And last but not least, thank you very much for listening. Have a great summer.